For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new content on the baseball side, whether it be these podcasts, articles, news and notes, polls, anything that we have going on on the baseball side of content gets shared out through EthosFantasyBB. If you're not somebody who uses social media, that's all cool. Go and check out sportsethos.com and you'll get all that same great stuff right from the source. Now today, we are not going to talk about outfielders. I decided that I should give you guys a break, give myself a break midweek from going through the reviews. And we're going to just talk about a little bit of news that has come out. Specifically, we're going to go over a couple of signings from the last few days. Now we alluded to them. Uh, I believe it was Monday's show where we just mentioned them. And I said, maybe when they accumulate a little bit more, we'll do a show but I think it's nice to break up the week here, and we'll talk about some signings. And then Thursday and Friday, we'll continue uh, talking about outfielders. We'll go through at least another 20 and potentially even more. I may end up carrying those into next week as well. We'll just see how the schedule ends up breaking out. But let's start with the big one. The Cy Young finalist, Sonny Gray, inking a new contract, and this is with the St. Louis Cardinals, three years and $75 million dollars. Seems to be pretty fair market value from what I've heard. I'm not somebody who is really great with this whole figuring out what a player is worth, whether it's trade value, whether it's free agency. I've never been really great at predicting those things. But from what I heard and evaluating them in hindsight, I mean, you can kind of do it after a couple of years. But once a contract is signed, I'm not usually one who's like, you know, very in tune with what the market should be, what it shouldn't be. $25 million annually for Sonny Gray. It might seem on the surface like a lot, but he's actually been one of the more consistent pitchers in baseball for quite a while. Uh, you're looking at consistency every single year, pretty much. I know 2021 in Cincinnati was a bit of a down year statistically. 2018 with the Yankees wasn't great, but other than that, I mean, pretty much every year of his career, he has been a guy that you can get a mid-threes kind of ERA out of. He's a 3-4-7 career ERA in 1,500 innings. And I know we kind of discredit ERA, and you know, rightfully so. But when it's over a whole career or it's over a huge sum of innings like this, 1,500 innings, he is very clearly good at keeping runs from crossing the plate. If you want to look at those advanced uh, indicators for his career, he has a 357 FIP and a 367 XFIP for his career. Sierra is at 389. So there's not too many pitchers where you can find, you know, consistency year after year where they're not overblowing their metrics too much. You're getting roughly 30 starts a season out of these guys. I know it has varied a little bit. 24 last year, 26th the year before. It hasn't been a perfect picture of health for Sonny Gray, but overall, he's been very good. He has been healthy. And I think it makes sense for St. Louis as a team that 
I think probably missed out on Aaron Nola. I, we don't really know the specifics of what went on behind the scenes and who offered what. We might eventually know that. And maybe it has been reported and I just haven't heard about it. But I think it's pretty clear that the Cardinals were looking for Aaron Nola. Everybody was talking about that. We had talked about that. Everybody had mentioned it. Once they missed out on Aaron Nola, I think that they kind of panicked a little bit. And now you have Sonny Gray as the ace of your rotation. And that's, as much as I like him, probably not a great place to be. They have made three signings this offseason. Sonny Gray, they've signed Lance Lynn, and they signed Kyle Gibson. So the rotation, according to Roster Resource, according to Common Sense right now, is Gray, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, and Steven Matz. That's not a great rotation. It's just not. I think Aaron Nola had to be the main target. I think they still got to be going for one of the Japanese guys. I mean, if they don't, then they're going to be trotting out this rotation that is going to have at least four of these guys are going to have ERAs above four. Sonny Gray, while I don't expect it, you know, you're looking at a 3-5, 3-7 type. He can very easily have an ERA above four. Is that the end of the world? Not necessarily. But when you're a team that has all the history of St. Louis and a team that has been very, very good for the last 20-plus years since the Pujols era started, which was, you know, 2001 or whenever it was, They've been pretty consistently a good team. A couple of World Series. They've appeared in a, one other World Series. I think they're always a positive team. Last year, they sucked. I figured they would go out there and they would make some serious moves that the front office, the ownership would say, we're not going to be an embarrassment in the Central again, coming last in the Central. That's a true embarrassment for a team like St. Louis. Now, you know, the alternative is you're not signing anybody right now because they're not going to get the big, big targets. But I don't know that these guys are really going to do much for you either. They're going to eat innings at the major league level for the most part and probably give you subpar pitching. Kyle Gibson, oh, he had 15 wins. Yeah, I mean, that's not really because Kyle Gibson was so great. Sonny Gray was much better than Kyle Gibson. He had eight wins. So don't really look at the win uh, part of it. I don't know that there's much you can look at here from a St. Louis fan and say, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a really good team next year. Offensively speaking, they're looking about the same. You know, Donovan, Goldschmidt, Newbar, Arenado, Contreras, Gorman, Walker, O'Neal, Edmund. The lineup is unchanged at this point. The rotation features three new pieces that are questionable to, to varying degrees. And I think Sonny Gray is obviously the most trustworthy of those guys, but Sonny Gray should be a number two or a number three pitcher, I think. And I, I think a lot of people would agree that he's not an ace caliber guy. You're getting there for game one of the postseason, game one of your series, or it's maybe game five or game six. Sonny Gray on the mound does give you some confidence, but he's also not that dominant strikeout guy that you can really rely on to get outs even when the stuff isn't that great. Strikeout-wise, he's okay, 24%, but it's not amazing. So I I just don't see him as being a guy that you're going to trot out there, whether it's an important game in a series in the regular season or in the postseason, and have that outright confidence that it's just oh it's sunny gray time like he's very good but he's also not a superstar and they're paying him not superstar money necessarily because again i'm not great with that market but 25 million dollars is pretty close to superstar money at this point for him to be the number one and maybe hopefully for them the number two guy in their rotation because realistically they need to get at least one more arm if they want to be serious like they've got guys that'll eat innings and throw 160 180 kind of all right innings, nothing too special. But if they really want to be able to get back to the 90-ish win threshold, they need to do more with their pitching staff. They absolutely need to. I like these moves as a whole, I guess, but they're not enough in and of themselves. If these are the depth moves you make throughout free agency and you've already got a couple of stars signed away or traded for, 
that's a lot different than having these guys be your prized possessions of free agency. But let's move on. Let's talk about another signing, and it is Kenta Maeda. My guy, Kenta Maeda, going to Detroit, staying within the, the division, which is very good, uh, on a two-year deal with the Tigers. I believe it is $24 million total. So 12 and 12, uh, I believe, is how that will work out. The contract that Kenta Maeda was on before this one, he had signed it in 2016 with the Dodgers. It was $26 million over eight years. <laughs> 26 over eight. You're looking at about $3 million a year. For what they got out of him, from what everybody got out of him, I mean, that's a pretty damn good return for $3 bucks a year. He has got a 392 ERA for his career. He's striking out about 26 27% of batters. He's a very good pitcher. Now, I don't know that this is much of a game changer for fantasy one way or the other. I tweeted about it the other night when it first happened, when Jeff Passan first announced that this signing had taken place. And I thought about it for a few minutes, but at the end of the day, I don't think much really changes here. The only real difference I see being in Detroit is that there's probably going to be fewer opportunities for wins than you would have had in Minnesota. That's kind of it. The ballpark is a little bit better. It would have been exceptionally better if we're talking a couple of years ago, but of course, Comerica has had some changes in their dimensions, specifically last year that they made, a lot of people thought, for Riley Green to try and make it a little bit easier for Riley Green to get the ball out of the yard. But in any event, it's just made it a little bit harder for their pitchers, I think, while not actually making it that much more of a hitter-friendly park. It's closer to neutral, and at that point, I don't know who you're really helping either way, but it is a better park to pitch in just ever so slightly than Minnesota. So you get that little bit of a boost there. The staying in the poor division part, I had a conversation on Twitter yesterday with Casey Bubba, and we were talking about this whole division thing. Should we even talk about divisions anymore in terms of a schedule? Because it's more balanced now. You play 52 games, I believe it's 52, against your own division, and it used to be 76. So you used to you know draft a guy in a bad division. He's getting about half of his starts in that division. Now it's about a third. It's a, definitely a big difference, but it definitely does still come into play, and especially in the American League Central. That is the worst division in baseball. There's almost no way you're getting a bad matchup, right? The Twins are going to be the worst possible matchup you could get, and even the Twins, as an offense, I don't think they really scare too many people. They were pretty good this season. They were about, you know, top 10, roughly 12 or so, uh, if you're looking at various metrics, which is fine. But they're not, like, a scary team. And if that's the scariest team in your division, I mean, hell, he's going to get to face the Twins, the Guardians, the White Sox, and the Royals probably two or three times each. And I will take that. With how bad the White Sox are and the Royals are, like, that's not going to change this year. The Guardians, offensively, can't really do too much. I mean, I know they got a lot of good contact hitters, but in terms of actually producing runs this season... They were dreadful. They were 26th in runs. They were 13th in hits because they have a lot of contact guys, but 13th in on base, 29th in slugging, 27th in OPS, and dead last in homers. So you're not worried about them. And then Minnesota, right? Like if Minnesota's the team you got to be worried about in that division, I, I don't think that that's much of a factor. So you're staying in that good division, which is huge. You also got the fact that if you look under the hood for Kenta Maeda last year, it was a lot better than the 423 ERA would have pointed you to. Uh, if you're talking about his Sierra, it was 376, which is excellent. He had an above 20% strikeout minus walk rate, 27.3 on the K percentage, 16.5 on the walk percentage. That's really, really excellent. That's bordering on elite, actually. 20% strikeout minus walk rate, something he's done periodically in the past. But to be able to do that, even over a shortened season, 
because of course he was injured and he only pitched uh, twenty. It was twenty games started and he threw twenty one games total. It's still impressive to put up those numbers over any sample size. Twenty percent strikeout minus walk with a good Sierra. I'm interested in Kenta Maeda. Now, the health thing is the problem. He's missed more than 10 starts in each of the last two seasons, but the price is its factored into the price, right? You're not really paying a premium for Kenta Maeda. I don't know that we ever did have to pay a premium for him. But right now, you're getting him in the 260s, 250s, 260s. I think that's a pretty damn good price to pay for somebody who might be in a very good situation in Detroit. Now, the thing that I don't understand and I've heard several people mention this on the timeline, is that the the Tigers are looking like they're going to win the Central. Maybe, but they're not really that much improved just because of Kenta Maeda. It's a nice signing, but I don't think this moves the needle a hell of a lot for a team that's still not that great. Offensively speaking, eh, they're okay. The pitching staff is not that great, especially like outside of Maeda. And their bullpen is kind of iffy, you know. A lot of Tigers fans will get mad at the mentions, and they'll say, oh, well, the second-half offense. It was pointed out yesterday, I saw this on Twitter, they had as many runs in the second half as the Rockies, and I think it was a few more than the Nationals or something. So it's not like they were knocking the ball out of the park like crazy or you know, really lighting the world on fire. They were just okay. Uh, I, I think that I think that they're going to probably not be as great as a lot of people think they are. But Kenta Maeda should should be pretty damn good still, I think. And I think where he's going right now, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense to take a chance on him at his ADP. <clears throat> Excuse me, but let's talk about one more signing for today because, again, the stove hasn't really been terribly hot. I don't know if you guys remember last season. It was like I couldn't even get a show out about any scheduled topic because there was always just big signings uh, happening in the offseason. This offseason has been pretty quiet, um, but we'll talk about this last one for today. Jason Hayward going back to the Dodgers. Nine million bucks. Eight or nine million bucks. I've seen actually both numbers reported as I'm just looking it up here. Uh, but in any event, let's call it eight and a half million bucks. Uh, it's one or the other, though. It's it's uh, Here, it's nine. I'm seeing it's nine here. But again, I've seen a couple different numbers listed. It doesn't really matter either way. But Jason Hayward had himself a bounce back season last year. 15 homers, 56 runs, 40 RBI. He stole a couple bags and he batted 269. I know it doesn't sound amazing, but in an NL only or in a deep 15 team league, draft and hold, there was a lot of value in being able to plug in Jason Hayward in that great lineup every now and then. Not that he was a regular player, but this was something that you were not really expecting, and you got kind of free production in your draft champions or wherever you just picked him up. Gave you good on base at 340, didn't strike out a hell of a lot, only 17%, and he just kind of contributed across the board. So I'm not a big Jason Hayward proponent. I don't think that there's really much you can do with this information. But there's a decent chance he's starting for the Dodgers again next season like we saw him start a lot this year. Played 124 games. Getting a piece of that lineup somewhere in the middle, and again, I don't want to even mention Otani again, but whether or not Otani's there, it's a great lineup. You're getting Hayward somewhere down the middle of the order, you know, between five and seven probably a lot of nights. I think there's going to be an opportunity for some cheap RBIs in your drafts. He's not somebody that's on anybody's radar. Not somebody I'd recommend in your 10 and 12 team drafts. Of course, this is more for deeper leagues, but he could really really pay off a lot if you're talking about those 15-team leagues or an NL only. There's not a lot of options, and I think Jason Hayward could be somebody that really does turn out to be a big piece. They're paying him a lot of money. If they wanted him to just sit on the bench, then they wouldn't need to pay him really anything. I mean, he's 34 years old, going to be 35 this coming season, hasn't had an amazing career. It's not like they're paying him to like you know pay reference to whatever he's done in the, in the previous seasons. It's just they need... Jason Hayward, and they're paying him, and I think they're going to start him pretty regularly. So 
Just keep that in mind when you're drafting. He's not going to be expensive, but he could be a very nice source of some power stats and some volume stats later in your drafts. But that'll do it. Short show today. We'll pick it up with a longer one tomorrow, and we'll do part three of Outfielder Reviews. We'll go through number 21 to number 30. Again, we're going through Yahoo standard rankings if you guys want to follow along. And if you got any questions, please do reach out over on social media. I'm at JoeRico99 on Twitter, and then, of course, at EthosFantasyBB as well. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter or social media, sportsethos.com is the place for you to go. But until tomorrow, guys, hope everybody has a great night. Takes care and cheers, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>